鸟儿的欢鸣，溪水的婉转。听，爱与恨，悲与喜，苦与乐，得与失。听，跳跃的文字，灵动的声音。You're listening to Morse Read。欢迎您收听轻松调频美文阅读 m o t o Read， 我是沈听，让我们在这里一起听美文学英语。m o t o Read， 用文字抒发感情，用文字诉说故事，用文字穿越古今。Daily Quote。The truth is simple. If it was complicated, everyone would understand it. Walt Whitman. 事实很简单，如果它很复杂，每个人都会理解它。沃尔特·惠特曼。沃尔特·惠特曼于1819年出生于美国纽约州的长岛 ，1892 年去世，美国著名诗人、散文家。他的作品表现出强烈的个性，洋溢着奔放的激情。其诗作兼并了超验主义与现实主义的文风。惠特曼在1841年出版了一些短篇故事，一年后在纽约出版了小说《富兰克林·埃文斯》。1855年，他自费出版了第一版的《草叶集》，被誉为美国诗歌史上一座灿烂的里程碑。他创造了诗歌的自由体，开创了一代诗风，对不同国家、不同流派的诗人都产生了持久而深远的影响。其自由诗以民主的内容、革新的形式，极大地影响了美国乃至世界诗坛，也为他赢得了“自由诗之父”的美誉。The truth is simple. If it was complicated, everyone would understand it. Walt Whitman. 事实很简单，如果它很复杂，每个人都会理解它。沃尔特·惠特曼。立秋与院中有作，杜甫。山云行绝塞，大火覆溪流。飞雨动华屋。萧萧凉洞秋，穷途愧之极，暮齿借前愁。已废清晨夜，哪成长者谋？解衣开北户，高枕对南楼。树湿风凉尽，江轩水气浮。李宽心有事，解爽并微抽。主将归条顶，无还访旧秋
in the rainy compound at the beginning of autumn, Du Fu. Mountain clouds move over this remote frontier. Antares once again flows to the west. Driving rain stirs the splendid roof. Whistling in the wind, beams and rafters turn autumn. At road's end, a debt of gratitude to my true friend. In twilight years, I borrow the chopsticks before me. I have wasted my time paying my respects on clear mornings. How can I perfect plans for my superior? I untie my robes and open the north door. My relaxed pillow faces the southern tower. The trees are wet. The winds cool comes in. The river is noisy. Vapors float on the water. His relaxing courtesies feel agreeable to my heart. The season is brisk. My illness a little better. When the commander returns to season the cauldron, I will again visit my former hills. We just heard this song, "Li Qiu Yu Yuan Zhong Yu Zuo," from Chinese Tang Dynasty. 杜甫，中文版本由轻松调频的主持人小斐为您朗诵，英文版本由 Mark Griffiths 为您朗读。杜甫出生于公元712年，公元770年去世，字子美。诗中常自称少林野老，故世称杜少林。杜甫的诗大胆揭露了当时的社会矛盾，对穷苦人民寄予深切同情，内容深刻。许多优秀作品显示了唐代由盛转衰的历史过程，因此也被称为“诗史”。在艺术上，他善于运用各种诗歌形式，尤长于律诗，风格多样而以沉郁为主，语言精炼，具有高度的表达能力，继承了《诗经》以来注重反映社会现实的优良文学传统，成为古代诗歌艺术的又一高峰，对后世影响巨大。文字的世界，用心用心聆听。Beauty of words。奥斯卡·王尔德，一八五四年出生于爱尔兰的都柏林。由于当时是由英国统治，因此被看作是十九世纪英国最伟大的作家与艺术家之一，以其剧作、诗歌、童话和小说闻名，是唯美主义的代表人物。19世纪80年代美学运动的主力和90年代颓废派运动的先驱。1882年，土生土长的英国人奥斯卡·王尔德第一次踏上了美国的国土，写下了对美国的初印象。这就是我们接下来要读到的文章《Impressions of America》，美国印象。这篇游记式的观感，文字笔调轻松，林林总总，处处琢磨。从自然风光到人文景观，无所不谈。看似走马观花，却在描画皮毛的同时，也把握住了英美差异之所在。
。好，下面呢，就让我们一起来读一下这篇文章的中英文版本。由于时间关系，我们今天读到的是文章的节选片段，中文版本由谭迎洲翻译。Impressions of America, by Oscar Wilde. 美国印象，奥斯卡·王尔德。I fear I cannot picture America as altogether an Elysium. Perhaps from the ordinary standpoint, I know but little about the country. I cannot give its latitude or longitude. I cannot compute the value of its dry goods, and I have no very close acquaintance with its politics. These are matters which may not interest you, and they certainly are not interesting to me. 我恐怕不能把美国描绘成十足的天堂。从一般的角度来说，也许我对这个国家所知甚少。我说不出它的经纬度，我算不来它出产谷物的价值，我对它的政治也不十分熟悉。这些东西可能不会使你们感兴趣。The first thing that struck me on landing in America was that if the Americans are not the most well-dressed people in the world, they are the most comfortably dressed. Men are seen there with the dreadful chimney pot hat, but there are very few hatless men. Men wear the shocking swallowtail coat, but few are to be seen with no coat at all. There is an air of comfort in the appearance of the people, which is a marked contrast to that seen in this country, where too often people are seen in close contact with rags. 在美国上岸后得到的第一个深刻印象，就是美国人可能算不上是世界上穿的最漂亮的，但却是穿的最舒服的民族。那里看得到头顶不堪入目的烟囱式高顶礼帽的男人。但很少有不戴帽子的男人，还看到穿着难看至极的燕尾服的男人，但很少有不穿外套的男人。美国人的穿戴透露着舒适，这和在我国常可以看到的人们衣衫褴褛的情形形成了鲜明的对比。The next thing particularly noticeable is that everybody seems in a hurry to catch a train. This is a state of things which is not favorable to poetry or romance. Had Romeo or Juliet been in a constant state of anxiety about trains, or had their minds been agitated by the question of return tickets, Shakespeare could not have given us those lovely balcony scenes which are so full of poetry and pathos. 我特别注意到的第二个特点是，似乎每个人都在急着赶火车。这种情形对诗歌和浪漫爱情是不利的。要是罗密欧和朱丽叶老是为乘火车而担心，或是在为返程车票而烦恼，莎士比亚就不可能写出那几幕如此富有诗意与伤感情调的阳台戏了。America is the noisiest country that ever existed. One is waked up in the morning, not by the singing of the nightingale. But by the steam whistle, it is surprising that the sound practical sense of the Americans does not reduce this intolerable noise. All art depends upon exquisite and delicate sensibility, and such continual turmoil must ultimately be destructive of the musical faculty. 
美国是世界上最嘈杂的国家，在早晨，不是夜莺的歌唱，而是汽笛的鸣叫把人们叫醒。美国人讲求实际的头脑这么健全，却没有想到要降低这种令人难以忍受的噪音，真叫人吃惊。所有艺术都依赖于精细微妙的敏锐感觉，这样持续不断的喧嚣，最终。一定会损害人的音乐天赋。There is not so much beauty to be found in American cities as in Oxford, Cambridge, Salisbury, or Winchester, where are lovely relics of a beautiful age. But still, there is a good deal of beauty to be seen in them now and then, but only where the American has not attempted to create it. Where the Americans have attempted to produce beauty, they have signally failed. A remarkable characteristic of the Americans is the manner in which they have applied science to modern life. 美国城市没有牛津、剑桥、索尔兹伯里和温切斯特那么美丽。那些地方有优雅的时代的美好遗迹，虽然不时还是可以看到许多美的东西。但只能在美国人没有存心创造美的地方，在美国人有意创造美的地方，他们显然遭到了惨败。美国人的突出特点，便是他们把科学应用于现代生活的那种态度。This is apparent in the most cursory stroll through New York. In England, an inventor is regarded almost as a crazy man. And in too many instances, invention ends in disappointment and poverty. In America, an inventor is honored. Help is forthcoming, and the exercise of ingenuity, the application of science to the work of a man, is there the shortest road to wealth. There is no country in the world where machinery is so lovely as in America. 在纽约走马观花的一走。这一点就一目了然了。在英国，人们常把发明家视作狂人，发明带来的是失望与穷困的例子，简直不胜枚举。在美国，发明家受到尊重，他随时可以得到人们的帮助，在那里心灵手巧，把科技应用于人类的劳动是致富的捷径。没有一个国家比美国更爱机器的了。I have always wished to believe that the line of strength and the line of beauty are one. That wish was realized when I contemplated American machinery. It was not until I had seen the waterworks at Chicago that I realized the wonders of machinery: the rise and fall of the steel rods, the symmetrical motion of the great wheels, is the most beautifully rhythmic thing I have ever seen. One is impressed in America, but not favorably impressed by the inordinate size of everything. The country seems to try to bully one into a belief in its power by its impressive bigness. 我一直期望相信，力的线条也是美的线条。在我注视着美国的机器的时候，这一期望得到了实现。直到我见识了芝加哥的供水系统。我才意识到机器的奇妙，钢铁连杆的起落，巨大轮子的对称运动，是我见过的节奏最美的东西。美国的所有东西都大得过分，这给人以深刻的却不是好的印象。
。这个国家似乎想以其令人敬畏的巨大来胁迫别人认可其力量。Perhaps the most beautiful part of America is the West, to reach which, however, involves a journey by rail of six days, racing along tied to an ugly tin kettle of a steam engine. I found but poor consolation for this journey in the fact that the boys who infest the cars and sell everything that one can eat or should not eat were selling editions of my poems vilely printed on a kind of grey blotting paper for the low price of ten cents. Calling these boys on one side, I told them that though poets like to be popular, they desire to be paid. And selling editions of my poems without giving me a profit is dealing a blow at literature, which must have a disastrous effect on poetic aspirants. The invariable reply that they made was that they themselves made a profit out of the transaction, and that was all they cared about. 美国最美丽的地方也许是西部，但去那里要坐六天火车。被如同一只丑陋的马口铁水壶的蒸汽引擎牵引着飞驰。这次旅行令我不快，因为那些出没于车厢中兜售各种可以吃或是不能吃的东西的男孩们，在卖我的诗集。他们被糟糕的印在像灰色的吸水纸那样的纸上，每份只卖十便士的低价。我把这些男孩叫到一边，告诉他们说，尽管诗人喜欢出名。但也想拿到钱，出售我的诗集却不分给我一份利润，这是对文学的打击，对有抱负成为诗人的人会有灾难性的后果。他们的答复千篇一律，他们自己能从这桩生意上有利可图，别的也就管不了这么多了。It is a popular superstition that in America a visitor is invariably addressed as stranger. I was never once addressed as stranger. When I went to Texas, I was called Captain. When I go to the center of the country, I was addressed as Colonel, and on arriving at the borders of Mexico, as General. On the whole, however, Sir, the old English method of addressing people is the most common. 人们普遍错误地以为，在美国，来访者总是被称作。陌生人，我从来没有被人称作过陌生人。我在德克萨斯时被人称作上尉，在这个国家的中部地区时被称作上校，而当我到达墨西哥边境时，又被称作将军了。但总的来说，英国人以前对人的称呼“先生”是最常用的。San Francisco is a really beautiful city. Chinatown. Peopled by Chinese laborers, is the most artistic town I have ever come across. The people, strange, melancholy Orientals, whom many people would call common, and they are certainly very poor, have determined that they will have nothing about them that is not beautiful. In the Chinese restaurant where these navvies meet to have supper in the evening, I found them drinking tea out of china cups as delicate as the petals of a rose leaf. Whereas at the gaudy hotels, I was supplied with a delf cup an inch and a half thick. When the Chinese bill was presented, it was made out on rice paper, the account being done in Indian ink as fantastically as if an artist had been etching little birds on a fan. 
旧金山是一座真正美丽的城市，聚居着中国劳工的唐人街是我见过的最富有艺术韵味的街区。这些古怪忧郁的东方人，许多人会说他们下贱，他们肯定也很穷，但他们打定主意，身边不能有任何不美的东西。在那些苦工们晚上聚集在一起吃饭的中国餐馆里，我发现他们用如同玫瑰花瓣一样纤巧的瓷杯喝茶。而那些俗丽的宾馆给我用的陶杯，足有一英寸半厚。中国人的菜单拿上来的时候是写在宣纸上的，账目是用墨汁写出来的，漂亮的就像艺术家在扇面上试刻的小鸟一样。Salt Lake City contains only two buildings of note, the chief being the Tabernacle, which is in the shape of a soup kettle. It is decorated by the only native artist. And he has treated religious subjects in the naive spirit of the early Florentine painters, representing people of our own day in the dress of the period, side by side with people of biblical history who are clothed in some romantic costume. 盐湖城只有两座值得一看的建筑，主要是那座外形像一只汤锅的礼拜堂。当地仅有的一位艺术家装饰了这座礼拜堂。而他是用早期佛罗伦萨画家的那种天真精神来处理宗教主题的，把穿着当代服装的当代人物和穿着出于想象的服装的圣经历史人物并列。From Salt Lake City, one travels over the Great Plains of Colorado and up the Rocky Mountains, on the top of which is Leadville, the richest city in the world. It has also got the reputation of being the roughest, and every man carries a revolver. I was told that if I went there, they would be sure to shoot me or my traveling manager. I wrote and told them that nothing that they could do to my traveling manager would intimidate me. From Yanhu Cheng, we traveled the Colorado Mountains, climbed Lodge Mountain, and there is a city called Leadville. 它还以世上最野蛮的城市闻名，那里每个人随身带着一支左轮手枪。有人对我说：“如果我去那里的话，他们一定会把我或是我的随行经纪人打死。”我写信告诉他们，不论他们对我的随行经纪人干出什么来，都不会把我吓倒。They are miners, men working in metals, so I lecture to them on the ethics of art. I read them passages from the autobiography of Benvenuto Cellini, and they seemed much delighted. I was reproved by my hearers for not having brought him with me. I explained that he had been dead for some little time, which elicited the inquiry, "Who shot him?" They afterwards took me to a dancing saloon, where I saw the only rational method of art criticism I have ever come across. Over the piano was printed a notice. Please do not shoot the pianist; he is doing his best. The mortality among pianists in that place is marvelous. They are all carpenters and metalworkers. So I spoke to them about art. I took Benvenuto Cellini's Sonata and read some passages to them. They seemed to enjoy it. 我的听众责备我，为什么不和他一起来？我解释说，他死了有些时候了。这时有人发问：“是谁打死他的？”随后，他们带我去舞厅
，在那里我看到了我所见过的唯一合理的艺术批评方法。在钢琴上方写着这样一条告示：“请别打死钢琴师，他已竭尽所能。”那里钢琴师的死亡率真是高的惊人。Then they asked me to supper. And having accepted, I had to descend a mine in a rickety bucket in which it was impossible to be graceful. Having got into the heart of the mountain, I had supper. The first course being whiskey, the second whiskey, and the third whiskey. 随后，他们请我吃晚饭。接受邀请之后，我只得站在一只摇摇晃晃的筐子里被放下矿井。在这只筐子里，人不可能显得优雅。进入山的中心后，我进了晚餐。第一道菜是威士忌，第二道菜又是威士忌，第三道菜还是威士忌。I went to the theater to lecture, and I was informed that just before I went there, two men had been seized for committing a murder, and in that theater they had been brought onto the stage at eight o'clock in the evening. And then and there tried and executed before a crowded audience, but I found these miners very charming and not at all rough. 我去剧院讲演的时候，有人告诉我说，就在我去之前，有两个人因为谋杀被抓了起来。就在那座剧院里，他们在晚上八点被带到舞台上，在拥挤的观众前当场受到审判并被处决。但我觉得这些矿工十分可爱，一点也不野蛮。Among the more elderly inhabitants of the South, I found a melancholy tendency to date every event of importance by the late war. How beautiful the moon is tonight! I once remarked to a gentleman who was standing next to me. Yes, was his reply. But you should have seen it before the war. 我发现南方的那些年纪较大的居民，有把所有重要的事都和最近的那场战争联系起来的可悲习惯。有次，我对一个站在我身边的绅士感慨道：“今晚的月亮多美啊！”“是啊，”他说，“可惜你没能在战前看见它。” So infinitesimal did I find the knowledge of art west of the Rocky Mountains that a not patron. One who, in his day, had been a miner, actually sued the railroad company for damages because the plaster cast of Venus of Milo, which he had imported from Paris, had been delivered minus the arms. And what is more surprising still, he gained his case and the damages. 我发现，在洛基山脉以西，人们关于艺术的知识是如此贫乏，以致一位艺术爱好者。他在年轻时也做过矿工，竟然起诉铁路公司要求赔偿，因为他从巴黎进口的米洛的维纳斯石膏像运来时没有了双臂。但更叫人吃惊的是，他打赢了官司，获得了赔偿。感谢您收听今天的美文阅读节目，您也可以通过云听 App 在线实时收听美文阅读以及轻松调频的其他节目，并随时聆听节目回放
。想要查看美文阅读节目文稿，欢迎您访问网站 radio.cgtn.com， 找到美文阅读板块即可。今天的节目就到这儿，我是沈听，我们明天见。